Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you because each time we gather in your presence in this sanctuary, you have always blessed us with your words. We pray, Lord, that today you will do likewise in Jesus' name. Your word tells us it is you who causes us both to will and to do for your own good pleasure. We pray, Lord, that as we hear your word today, we will be hearing hearers. We will be doers and not hearers of your word alone. Thank you, our Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Our topic for consideration today says, Commissioned to preach the word. Commissioned to preach the word. And our text is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. Before we go into the word proper, I would like to make an introduction by breaking down the topic, commissioned to preach the word. What does it mean to be commissioned? To do anything, not just the word. I tried looking it up in the dictionary, what it means to be commissioned. And one of the definitions that got through to me was the one that said, to be commissioned means to be authorized, to be delegated, or empowered to do anything. And so to be commissioned to preach the word means that we are being authorized, we are being delegated, and we are being empowered. Implicit in that definition is the fact that the power and the authority that we exercise when we preach the word is not ours. And as we go into the world today, we will see how this thing plays out. So that we know that when we preach the word, it's not about us. And for the listeners as well, when somebody mounts the pulpit to preach the word of God, it is not about the person who is preaching. Because the authority and the power is not his or hers. Praise the Lord. So let's go to our text. Our text once again is the book of Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is a passage I've read so many times, but as I prepared to minister in, this, in the world today, I was richly blessed by this particular uh, verse. It's very loaded. If you read it casually, you may not be able to see all the things that are contained in this one singular verse in the Bible. And it reads, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The first word we see here is, And he, and he. Telling us, it is not the preacher, it's not about the preacher. There is an authority that is delegating his authority to whoever is preaching. And he, talking about Jesus, 
Jesus is the one delegating us, is the one authorizing us, is the one empowering us, giving us what we need to be able to reach out to his people. Praise the Lord. And he said to them, again you look at the world, who are, was Jesus referring to? To them. Who are the them in this uh, text? He was referring to his disciples. And who are the disciples of Jesus? These were men who followed him. They knew him. They believed in him. And they were willing to do the bidding of the master. They were his disciples. And by extension it means that all of us here, as many as have accepted Jesus as his Lord or her Lord and personal Savior, as many as are willing to obey the master in every sphere of our life, is qualified to be the disciple of Jesus. So what it means is that everybody, as long as you have given your life to Christ and you have accepted him and you are willing to do his bidding, you are qualified to be the disciple. He didn't say, oh, um, the pastor should be the one that will preach or the evangelist or the deacons and deaconess or whatever other title. No. His reference here was to all the disciples. None was left out. So as long as you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is a command to us. And the authority to be able to do this flows from him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As many as are disciples of Jesus, as many as have accepted him as their Lord and personal Savior, and as many as are willing to do his bidding, is or are his disciples. And that means that the commission is to all of us. Sometimes you see people, they tell you, oh, I have the gift of speaking in tongue, prophecy, words of knowledge, wisdom, whatever. I'm the financial uh, pillar of the church and all that, and therefore preaching should be done by this group or this other group. The command Jesus gave here is to all his disciples. If you know you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, from today know it, that the duty, the responsibility to preach is yours. It's not to anybody. It's not to a, a group of people. Praise the Lord. And again he says here, Go into all the world. Go. The word go here means it's a command. It's not optional. It's not if I feel like it. I've seen some people, if you ask them, why are you not preaching the word? They will tell you, oh, you know I'm not lettered. I don't have good command of English language. Then I ask them, did Apostle Peter attend Harvard or Oxford University? He was a fisherman. No formal education. But when the Spirit of God came upon him, the boldness, the utterance, everything needed to preach the gospel and to get the desired result came upon him. And that's what happens. Irrespective of your educational background, irrespective of your training or area of calling, once you have the Spirit of Christ in you, the unction to preach is there. 
All you need to do is to activate it. Praise the Lord. And yet some others will say, oh, I did not attend uh, any form of um, uh, pastoral school or Bible college or whatever. And I tell them what Apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 11 and 12. Can we quickly look at it? Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Praise the Lord. Apostle Paul writing to the Galatians wrote here. But I make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't allow anybody to tell you that you must have to attend one Bible college or the other. Look at what Apostle Paul said. When the Master, when the Jesus met him, he didn't need to go to any school of any sort. If you're going, it is an addendum, it is a jara. But that doesn't mean it must be there for you to be able to preach. All you need is the testimony of your conversion. I remember last um, Sunday when we went for um, evangelism in the, in the church here. I started quoting some scriptures for, to a woman who I went to you know, minister to. But she was almost sleeping on me. And then the Spirit of the Lord sort of ministered to me, share your conversion testimony with her. And I did that, shared a couple of other testimonies with her. All of a sudden she woke up. She didn't just woke up, she sat up and was listening keenly. This is somebody who was almost sleeping. The Bible passages I was quoting, she probably may have heard them over and over. But the testimony of my conversion did the miracle. So for you to preach, you don't need to know all the Bible. You don't need to be able to quote all the scriptures. All you need is testimony of your conversion. That Jesus has touched you and that the Spirit of God is living in you. That is more than enough to do all the work. Praise the Lord. Praise Master Jesus. Now back to our passage in Mark chapter 16. We are still trying to extract it. He said to them, go into all the world. That means the preaching is not restricted to any area. For some people, if you tell them, come and man the pulpit here and preach, they will be glad. But if you tell them, go to the hospital for hospital evangelism, no, 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 no. I'm too much for that. I'm too sophisticated for that. But you want to man the pulpit in the church and preach. If you tell them, come to Astro Rock or come to uh, Lion Building and preach, they are willing to accept that offer. But if you tell them there is a secondary school that is having um, one Christian uh, fellowship or gathering, come and minister, they know I'm too busy in my office to do that. He said, go into all the world. There is no limitation or restriction to where you are supposed to go. We are supposed to go everywhere that the master needs us. Praise the Lord. Again he says here, And preach the gospel to every creature. To all the creature, to every human being. Sometimes we segregate. I want to preach to this type of person. Oh, this person, I'm sure there is no hope for that person. Is that what the master says? The answer is no. Look at the ministry of Jesus. He preached 
to the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He preached to Matthew, who was a tax collector. You can liken them to our customs of these days, to the police. He preached to them. He preached to the harlots. He preached to the thief that was being crucified. There is no segregation. He doesn't discriminate. This is where I want to preach or this is where I do not want to preach. The same with the apostles that came after him. They were willing to preach to everybody. They never condemned anybody. Because if God were to mark iniquity, brethren, none of us will stand. Your sins may not be glaring, so glaring to everybody. But if God were to present them before you, you know you are as guilty, you know you are as rotten as the Amrabah there, you are as rotten as the Boko Haram there, you are as rotten as every other bad person that you condemn in the society. Look at Apostle Paul in the Bible. Who was he? Today, if you mention Boko Haram here, all of us want to stone them to death. We condemn them. What they are doing is extremely condemnable. It's bad, very bad. But I tell you, do you know that Jesus died for Boko Haram people? He died for the Fulani men. He died for the Niger Delta Avengers. He died for the kidnappers. He died for all of us. Irrespective of your sin, Jesus died for all of us. And you should give the next man, every man, an opportunity to be made by the Lord. Apostle Paul, as I was saying, was in the same shoes as the Boko Haram. He was killing Christians. Those who believe in the way. He was conducting their execution, their stoning. He was there when Stephen was killed. Yes, the Lord, the Master gave him an opportunity. Don't write off anybody. Unless the Lord has written us such a person. But I know that is not the desire of God that any sinner should perish. It is not his desire. Rather, that all shall come to repentance. Praise the Lord. Now, if you have the Spirit of God, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you have accepted to preach. There are a few things that must be in place for this preaching to be effective, for this preaching to uh, bear the, the desired result. And that is what we are going to consider next before we conclude. The number one thing, the number one thing is prayer. What did I say? Prayer. You know, sometimes we assume that because something is the will of God that we we don't need to pray about that thing. But search through the scripture to the contrary. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. He said that the harvest is what? Plenty. But the laborers are few. And he said, pray the Lord of the harvest. Whose harvest is this? It's the Lord's harvest. And yet he's asking you to pray. That it is the will of the master does not exclude the importance of prayer or whittle it down. Again, when he was teaching them how to pray, he said, when you pray, ask that the will of the father be done. It is his command that we go out and preach. Yet before we preach, 
for the effective result to be gotten, we must have to commit it to God in prayer. And so it means, for you as a preacher, always learn to pray. For you as a child of God, always uphold preachers in prayer, so that as they stand to minister, to preach, they will minister the mind of God concerning his people. Praise God. The next thing is the word of God. If you're going to be a preacher, it is important that you take time to study the word of God. If you look at the, the ministry of Jesus Christ, many times you see the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they want to put up an argument with him. If you look at Jesus' responses, most of the time he will just use one portion of the scripture or the other to flatten them. He doesn't go reasoning with them with human wisdom, no. He will tell them what the word of God says concerning that matter. And case finished. So if you must be a preacher, you must be grounded in the word. Again, last month, um, our um, evangelism, it played out somehow. I met one young man. Um, he attends one Pentecostal church in Lagos, but he was hospitalized here on account of um, accident. And he asked me a question. I wasn't prepared for that question, but all, all of a sudden, the Lord just gave me a scripture from the Bible. And I said, can we look at this portion of the Bible? And as we read it and answered, uh, you know, um, explained what was written in that passage, the guy was very happy. I told him, have you given your life to uh, Christ? He said, from what we explain now, from the scripture that we read, it is clear to him that he had not given his life. And I led him to Christ. If I didn't know the scripture, will the Bible remind you of what you don't know? It's because I've read the scriptures, I may not have prepared to answer that question. But the Lord, Jesus said to his disciples, when they take you before the leaders, do not give a thought of what you will answer. Because in that very hour, I, your father in heaven, he will give you answer to every question. So do not be afraid that you don't know this, you, you, any scripture. Just keep reading the Bible, meditating upon them. When the hour to put them into use comes, the Holy Spirit will remind you. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who will guide you into all truth. He will. So for you to be a preacher and to be able to minister effectively with result, you must be a person of the world. Praise God. Praise God. The next thing is our conduct. The Bible says he went about doing good. If you preach one thing and do another thing, you can hardly achieve any meaningful result as a preacher. You saw Jesus in his ministry. He went about doing good. One of the things that endeared me to this uh, ministry a few months after we started coming here, a medical doctor came to our center, Samsung Center here. And um, we got talking. I said, where do you fellowship? I told him here, Chapel of the Resurrection, Parkland. He said, okay, I know the man of God there. 
He's a professional colleague and he is a practical Christian. Do I need any other preaching? I don't need any other argument. I don't need any other thing to convince me of where you are going to. One of you has said, forget that man. He will talk one thing and do another thing. He's not a Tokanadu. We remember that, um, <laughs> we remember that vocab that our brother Otinku Jesus taught us. But because he's a Tokanadu, when he's talking, you will listen. Because you know that he doesn't only, he, he doesn't only uh, talk, but he does what he preaches. It's the same thing. That's why some people have lost their children. The life they live is different from what they preach to the children. It doesn't work. Go and write it down. 100% of the time it doesn't work. Because children are more interested in what they see you do, not what they hear you say. You have to be a tokenadu at home, in the church, in your places of business or work. For you to be able to minister effectively. Praise the Lord. And finally, on this, not that is exhausted, but the ones that the Lord ministered to me to share with us is that you must have compassion. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, was full of compassion. Compassion is a spiritual substance that goes even before we speak. It is a spiritual substance. Jesus was full of compassion when he saw the sick. Before he even began to heal them, the Bible will tell you he had compassion on them. When he met the sinners, even before he ministers to them, Jesus had compassion on them. When they were hungry and they needed to be fed, Jesus had compassion on them, even before turning those little fishes into multiples of fishes. Compassion is very, very important if you're going to minister and minister effectively. I was impressed by the prayer of Professor Nebu last Sunday. When he was preaching, he said, he is praying that the leadership of the church will be able to see the needs of the people. I don't know how many of us listen to that prayer. He said he is praying that the leadership of the church, and it's not supposed to be this church, churches all over the world, why are we losing people to charlatans who call themselves preachers? Because the real preachers, some of the real preachers, are not doing what they are supposed to do. And you see people running to where they are not supposed to go because of bag of rice, somebody paying school fees for their children. Because in the assembly of God, we have neglected this part of our duties as preachers and ministers of the gospel. There must be compassion. There must be compassion. It is compassion that made Jesus to save Apostle Paul. He saw that he was going the wrong way, but he didn't write him off. I want us from today, one thing I want us to begin to do, when we hear about Boko Haram, don't just pray, oh God, destroy all of them. God is not happy that any Boko Haram dies. He's a loving father. He's not like us, whose hearts are full of revenge. He doesn't want any of them dead. 
Can you take out time and pray for them when you hear about them that God will save their their souls? You know, there was a time uh, stealing um, stealing a uh, V boot was the talk of the day in Enugu. And one day I went out with my wife. We were driving in. All these armed robbers, they stopped us, stole our V boot. It was later recovered a few days. And that remind me, that person that the vehicle, this is Uche also, or Sister Joy, our prayer is that you will recover it in Jesus' name. I've been a victim twice and two times they were recovered. But there's something I want to bring out in the second occasion. When Kia just came out, uh, about a car, a, 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 a Kia, one of the Kia brands, um, vehicles for my wife. And again, she was driving in with another sister in the church. Men of the underworld accosted her and took the vehicle. That day, rather than begin to pray, oh God, arrest them, oh God, destroy them. I had this kind of compassion, empathy in my heart to pray for the souls of those young men. And after that prayer, my mind was at peace. A day or two later, the vehicle was recovered. But I tell you what, that was the end of any form of encounter with arm robbers. Even when we moved to an area, New GRA, before people started living there, robbers never visited us. As a banker, I worked so many years, more than 12, 13 years in Anambra, was traveling to Anambra and back here most of the time, I heard of many cases of robbers. In fact, in one particular incident, I saw dead bodies littered all over the way, all over the road. But I only saw these things with my eyes. Scripture, Psalm 91, was being fulfilled. I only hear them, I see them, none of them came near me. And as I begin to meditate upon the goodness of the Lord over my life and that of my family, said, you have shown compassion even to criminals. Praying for their souls instead of praying that they will be condemned. Can we today change our mindset? The problem is that we have bought the way of the world. We react the way the world reacts. We see things from the perspective of the world instead of the perspective of the gospel. Jesus said he came for sinners. If we were holy and righteous, if we didn't need any salvation, Jesus wouldn't have come. He came for robbers. He came for kidnappers. Are we saying that what they are doing is good? No. Far be it that I should be a supporter of such evil. I condemn it, but our response should be what the way the Bible wants us to respond to them. It's a love your enemy, pray for them. Do good to those who hate you. By so doing, you become sons and daughters of your heavenly Father. May the Lord help us and open our eyes in this regard. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. And before we conclude, I would like to share with us the story that Jesus shared with them in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. Two of them died and the poor man, Lazarus, went to the bosom, bosom of Abraham. The other one was in anguish. And because he was thirsty, he requested that 
Abraham should instruct Lazarus to be of, I'm paraphrasing, to be of assistance to him. Abraham said, there's a gulf between you and us. And the rich man says something I want to bring out this morning. And he said, please send Lazarus to go into the world and preach to my five brothers so that they will not come to where I am. And that's what I want to bring out. There is a time frame within which we can pray. Grace is unlimited, but grace time is what? Limited. If you fail to preach now that you are alive, when you are dead, you cannot preach. If you fail to preach to that your colleague, to that your brother, to your sister, to your son, to your husband, to your wife, when he or she is dead, it's already too late. For it is appointed unto man once to die, but after their war follows judgment. Now is the time to preach. And do not allow anything to be a hindrance. Don't allow any excuses. Some will tell you if you can't preach, give your money. Where is it in the Bible? Genesis to Revelation. You, some of you, of us have read it. Where did the Bible say that your money is a substitute to doing the work of God? No place. Don't allow any pastor or any man of God to deceive you. That once you give money, you are exempted from preaching. Preaching is the duty, responsibility of all of us. And it is a delegated authority. And I urge us, brethren, everybody here, and to any of you who may be hearing my voice anywhere, that it is responsibility of every disciple of God, every child of God, to preach. I want to encourage us that every time this church or anywhere you are announces that we go preaching, please don't exempt yourself. There are benefits both for you. When you preach, somebody was preaching the other day and he said, when you preach it's like a safety guard for you. You cannot stand in an office and you preach, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't, and you go and start doing those things. So when you preach, it even acts as a safety to you. When you preach and any soul repents, the Bible says there is joy in heaven. This is one thing that the Bible, one of the few things that the Bible says that causes heaven to go partying. It's not when you pass your MBBS exam. It's not when you become Ali Kodangoto, the richest man in the world. It's not when you build your first house or buy your first car. The Bible says, for every soul that repents, I'm looking forward to a time when the people of God will begin to celebrate. We have a special day when we celebrate souls that are won. Because that is the same thing that heaven is celebrating. We are celebrating what Apostle Peter called perishable things. Things that are stored up for fire. But the things that we are supposed to celebrate, that we are supposed to come in and join the heaven with, we are not celebrating. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you will help us to appreciate and understand the urgency of the time that we are living in. Like the Master, we will learn to say, I've got to do the work of He who sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can walk. Father and Lord, may you prompt us to rise up from our slumber. 
That we may arise and do the work of He that has sent us. That we may run. That we may rise up and be disciples even as you have called us. In our homes, in our offices, in all the corners of this earth where you may place us, O King of Glory. That we will learn to stop giving excuses for not obeying your command. That whatever has been our misconception, misunderstanding, wrong teachings and doctrines that we have had concerning ministering in your words, that Father, we will drop them. But even as you are teaching us this year, O Lord, that we will learn to live by every word of yours, every instruction that you have given us, that we will arise and begin to do them. Thank you, Abba Father, for in Jesus' most precious name we are prayed. And the people of God said, Amen.